Greetings and salutations, Digital World. Welcome back to another episode of Spliced in Ladder. And this week, we have a movie review for you. The first of two, possibly, if I get to see another movie this weekend. But we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. But this is a this is a biggie. This is a hotly anticipated one. This is one that is not released on streaming simultaneously. So if you want to see this film when it's released... You have to go to the cinemas. Depending where you are in the world, it may have already been out for a month. Or it may not even be out yet. Or it may be around the corner. Or it may not even be coming. Your cinemas may be closed. But if you are able to see it, are you still deciding on it? I don't think so. I feel like these movies make so much money. Everybody's going to see it. I was coming out of this film and I said at this point, you wouldn't be seeing this film unless you'd seen the other eight or nine mil that came before it. And really, nah. The appeal is out there. People can jump into any film, and I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. But I have anticipated this one. I have anticipated it since January, February last year when the trailer first came out for a release of May 2020. And, of course, with everything else last year, it got pushed back a good year. But it's now finally in the cinemas. A side note, they played a trailer for Top Gun Maverick before this film. And that trailer still says coming in 2020, which is hilarious. I'm seeing uh, quite a few trailers like that. I understand not bothering to change it. It's just a little funny, little funny thing that I got out of today's tonight's screening of F9 or F9 The Fast Saga or The Fast Saga F9 or Fast and Furious 9 or Fast 9 or Furious 9 or f- 9 quarter miles at a 9 times the Vin Diesel story. This movie has a ton of names, depending where you are in the world. For now, I'm just going to call it F9 because it is the correct title. It is the official release title. And also, it saves a lot of time to say F9. Now, the Fast and Furious saga is an enigma. It is something very uniquely special, what it is, what it was, and what it became. In 2001, when the Fast and the Furious first came out, it was just a street racing movie where an undercover cop has to go in with a a crew of street racers because they might be committing crimes. And the leader is this enigmatic, brutish, but strangely honorable person. And relationships will form, especially between sisters and brothers and all of that stuff. And sides will be drawn. It was basically Point Break, but with cars. And that obviously led to a couple of sequels. One so-so sequel to sequel to Fast to Furious, which is just more of the same, and the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which I actually really like. Of those original Fast and Furious movies, which were based on the street racing portion of the story, Tokyo Drift is my favorite one for specifically a character they introduced in it called Han. I thought Han was a very appealing character, and also just. The isolated story of Tokyo, which wasn't worried about what other movies had come before. It was just its own story, and it was a well-done story. And I believe the director of Tokyo Drift went on and did most of the other movies that have come out after that. So that says a lot about the quality there that was then supplied into the later films. But starting around 2009, when Fast and Furious, not the Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious came out, the tone started to shift a bit in terms of what the movie was actually about. And by the time Fast Five came out in 2011, that was the time when I had caught the first four films and went, this seems an entertaining enough franchise. I'll go and see the fifth one. The fifth one turned these street racing characters into a crew or a family, as they've become later, and turned them into sort of 
all-purpose characters. They do heists. They get back at rich bad guys. They take out super terrorists, super spies. They work with the government to take out assassins. They've got to stop doomsday events from occurring. This small squad made up of the most likable characters from the franchise. Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto, Paul Walker's Brian O'Connor, Roman Tej, Han, of course, because he's the best character ever. Gal Gadot before she was Wonder Woman. Michelle Rodriguez was there too. No, she wasn't. She came back later. She was dead and then she was alive. It's hard to keep track. But that was a very solid, well-executed build on the franchise and these characters. And it was very entertaining, over-the-top action. This was also the movie that brought in Dwayne Johnson, right? When he was really becoming star appeal. And from then on, they've taken that formula, that approach, and those characters. And they've just put them in bigger, escalating situations to a point where it has become... A sort of a, an entertaining farce. It's You go to see one of these movies and you want to go, what are they going to do in this one? How are they going to top what they did in the last one? The last one, they chased a plane down a runway. So in this one, we're going to have them actually crash into a plane that's flying. They have not outrun a submarine before. Let's try that. The big theory has always going to be, all right, when are they going to go to space, essentially? So here we have F9, which was supposed to come out a few years ago, I believe, before this whole behind-the-scenes drama of Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham getting their own spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw, that delaying the franchise. There was a whole thing about who the franchise should be about, blah, 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 which I believe led to this movie having quite a few changes behind the scenes. The Rock was involved, and he wasn't. They built up Jason Statham to be a part of the crew, but then he went and did his own thing, they had to do some stuff to justify characters who were enemies but are now allies but have done some very dangerous stuff. And they seem to be... They're trying to come up with an end game. I think. They want to finish the franchise at some point and they've always been trying to zero in on their big bad and the thing that they have to do to stop the movies. And I don't think they're quite there yet, but I can see it coming with this one. The, the, the concept, the big bad with Charlize Theron's cipher, everything that's going on, that does seem like, okay, eventually we will hit the end. And I hope so, because watching this film, I do feel like they are running out of ideas or things to do, especially with certain characters. But let's, let's get into it and let's try, because uh, it's hard. I really don't know what to say about this one. I enjoyed it. I had a good time of it, as I expected I would. As I've said many times with movies like Fast and Furious, I hate people that look at them and don't like them, but then judge other people for liking them. Fast and Furious, for all its flaws and ups and downs, it is a franchise that knows what it is, with the exception of Vin Diesel. I think maybe he doesn't quite know why people are enjoying these films, but whatever. That's a whole other topic for another time. For all it's worth, the people making, the people directing, and most people involved, they know the people that people are watching these films for the ludicrousness of it, for the sheer silliness of certain things, for the high-octane action that is absolutely unbelievable in certain instances, but is still fun to watch. Built on by a very solid group of core characters that have a very strong personal relationship with each other, which clearly bleeds through from the actors having a strong personal friendship between each other. No one goes to this film with their top hat and their cigar and their monocle and go, yes, let's see if this rivals Seven Samurai or 
The Shawshank Redemption. Let's see if it's one of the best movies ever made. Oh, they're, they're driving those cars sideways down a cliff, and people are screaming, and planes are shooting at them. This is not film. This is insane. I do not like this, and anyone who does like it is silly. People who like this either know why they like it for the silliness, and that's what they go to see, or people genuinely do just enjoy this sort of crazy film. And the people that sit there and go, oh, ugh, the, the, the Adam McKay's that take the cheap shots at Fast and Furious fans in what they think is their pinnacle film like Vice need to get off their high horses and pull their heads out of their asses. This is a fun, schlocky, silly franchise that knows what it is and does what the fans want and what it appeals to. That's why I keep going to see these films, and that's why I know regardless of what they do and, and the things that happen, if they stick to that formula, they will appease the fans, and I'm going to enjoy it. And for this film, I enjoyed it. I loved seeing all the characters back. They all fall back into their relationships very well. This was sort of like a love letter to people that have watched all the Fast and Furious movies and know every single character, because there are a lot of cameos and callbacks in this film some cameos were more involved than i thought they would be others were a blink and you'll miss it sort of thing and it's sort of a reward as well you stuck with the franchise this long we know the things you like here's some more of it again but bigger bigger 10 times bigger that being said i do feel watching it as well that the it is it is certainly very messy in terms of what it actually wants to do of its direction as crazy and over the top as the other Fast and Furious movies have been, their main plot always seems to be a targeted focus that you know watching it, you know what the goal is. The Fate of the Furious, the eighth installment, I did feel this sort of reaction to it when I first watched it that I've got now, which is the movie just sort of starts, but it takes a while for you to go, okay, this is the thing that's happening and this is what they need to do, understood. And with this film, it takes even longer, I think, for it really to zero in on what it wants to do because there are so many different story threads all with different characters going different places and different things they want to do. And it's it's moving along at a very fast pace. This movie's two and a half hours long. It doesn't really feel like it. I drank a very big, big cup of Diet Coke before going in and I assumed I would need to pee and I did towards the end, as I do with most movies, but not in a desperate sense. For a two-and-a-half-hour movie, that was surprising. I think it was because I was zeroing on the movie, but I was trying really hard to keep track of everything that was going on, what everybody was doing, who was alive, who was dead, who was on what side, what was what, what was going on. What was, it was just... I, I could have had a panic attack trying to follow along, but not in a bad sense. It was just a very, very much like the fast cars in the movie. It was a very high-paced, very fast... We just got to get through all these plots as quick as possible to get to our action pieces, which is good because that's why I'm going to see these movies is for the action piece. To give you a brief idea of the plot of F9 at this point is the crew are called into action once again because some bad guys are stealing the MacGuffin of this film. The last couple of films are in the same thing. There's this MacGuffin. There's this device which if it falls into the enemy's hands, can do a thing with technology that will somehow make all weapons redundant, or in this case, I believe it was hijack all weapons everywhere, so you are in control of everything. When they go to stop the bad guys from acquiring a piece of this device, they run into John Cena, the new character, the new big actor of the franchise, who it is revealed is Dominic Toretto's long lost brother the brother who has never ever been mentioned before once before 
is is now is now here and he's he's evil he's a he's a rogue agent super spy who wants to get this device to do evil things with it so once they discover that he's involved they obviously becomes very personal for everybody they follow some clues which take some breadcrumbs all around the world the gang splits up for a bit while dominic toretto goes hangs out with helen mirren for a bit the other big part of this film which it's not really a spoiler because it's all over the posters and trailers but if you don't want to be spoiled stop listening to this episode go and watch the film and then come back and get back to this point time code which i can't be bothered to actually know what it is but whatever okay are you back cool yeah so han is back and he's alive which is great because han as i said is my favorite character and but he was obliterated in tokyo drift jason statham crashed his car into him and then the car exploded and we saw han in there when it exploded so he's now alive and him being alive and the reason why he's been in hiding for all this time is linked into the evil bad weapon and john cena and everything going on there so he gets roped back into it along with everything else going on and then of course it all culminates in the big high octane racing action thing where toretto and crew have to go up against jacob try and stop him from doing the thing to do the bad thing now what i liked about this film as i said is the the usual stuff the characters the crew are all great together vin Di- <laughs> you gotta love vin diesel i don't know if he knows that dominic toretto is a bit of a joke i'm not sure the way he delivers his lines or engages with people it's strange because there's this wonderful bit in the film where he is with helen mirren and he seems a lot more lighter and at ease and i don't know if that's helen mirren bringing that out of him it's hard to say but he's still great he's still a big cuddly teddy bear really michelle rodriguez jordana brewster tyrese gibson Ludacris, natalie emmanuel they're all here as all all of his his sidekicks and best friends and they all bring their usual thing tyrese gibson's roman is the comedic foil who in this film has a thing about believing that they're all invincible because they do ludicrous things and can't die and speaking of ludicrous he's there as his comic foil to bring him back down to earth natalie emmanuel's ramsey is the hacker she's still hacking things jordana brewster's mia she's brought back in after being retired from the franchise along with brian since paul walker sadly passed in 2015 but of course she gets back in because jacob is also her brother and she misses him so much even though she's never mentioned him before and of course they eventually bring han back into the film and when he's there oh boy i knew immediately why i missed him and it was great seeing him back with his with his munchies always always eating his little snacks and driving his car he was great stuff as I said, this movie is a love letter and a appreciation to people who are sticking with the franchise. So there are a lot of characters and things going on in here. You get cameos from the, the Tokyo Drift crew who are in it a bit more than I expected. As I said, Helen Mirren shows up. Charlize Theron's Cypher, the, I assume, is the big bad for the rest of the franchise. She's definitely overshadowing a lot of what's going on. She doesn't do much, but she has a very commanding presence in her few couple of scenes that she's in. She is entertaining to watch. She's got this very joker sort of view about her ultimate goals, which basically seems to be just to watch the world burn. So I was glad that they're still keeping that character on, and I'm interested to see what her overall endgame is going forward. And speaking of the new character as well, John Cena's Jacob Toretto, I really liked. I They do some really good work at 
fleshing him out. For a character that has never been mentioned before, ever, never come up, they do do a good point of tying him in to previous Fast and Furious lore to explain where he has been and where he's gone. They've got quite a lot of flashback scenes where Michael Rooker shows up for some reason as well. He's in this movie too, because... But when John Cena is back in present day and he's facing off with Dom or doing his own thing, he has a very commanding presence. He's Obviously, his, his size matches Vin Diesel's dramatically evenly. You sort of... You, you, there's an emotional sense to him that you do feel for him, and John Cena plays it quite well. So even though he's doing evil things and he's out for the bad guys, there's a sense that you understand why he has got to that point. And especially for me, and with knowing what they've done with other characters in the past, I never truly felt that they would go the full evil route with him. You'll have to watch the movie to find out for yourself if they did do it or not. But his action scenes, his driving scenes, his presence on screen, I actually think John Cena is quite good when he's given roles that work for him in the same way that Dwayne Johnson works for roles given to him. He may not win an Academy Award for acting, but... Look, compared to Vin Diesel, I thought he was tremendous. And I appreciated seeing him and getting a new... Something new for the franchise to have rather than retreading the old steps. And it was good. And I hope we see more of him, if we do see more of him. Again, you'll have to see the movie if you want to know how all of this played out. However, uh, the the thing that did pull me out of the movie a lot was, again, a a lack of direction for this film. The two main things that appealed to me going to watch this film, and I think will have the same for most people, are two things. One, Han is back. So people will want to go to this movie to see him again, see him doing his stuff, and also learn how he is alive. The second part is the mystique and the mysteriousness of John Cena's Jacob Toretto who he is as a character, seeing him interact with everybody, seeing his villainous plans, where he came from, all of that stuff. However, of the those two things, there's surprisingly very little of both in the film. Jacob Toretto, he sort of he shows up and he does a scene and then he moves on and you get some good stuff when he's there, but often he's he's being talked about or he's or he's in a he's in a room somewhere snarling or watching people. But he, he disappears for big stretches of time, very similar to Jason Statham in Furious 7 when he was set up as this big bad, but then he would also show up, do a thing, and then disappear. And speaking of not being in the film very often, much, Han, I think, does not show up in the film to, I think, the first two-thirds are over, and he's, he's, he's not in it that much. The explanation for why he's alive infuriates me. It's very lazy, it's sort of like the writers couldn't actually come up with a way to explain how he was alive. So they just went, he is because he is. Move on. Now, this is a franchise that is doing ridiculous stuff with over-the-top action pieces that are absolutely impossible to do in real life. So why not just come up with a silly, impossible way for Han to be alive? But in the movie, they just go, oh, you know, he, he, he was dead. And you did see it, but he's not. And, you know, we could explain, but we won't. And that's that's a little annoying. Either don't bother or don't... Or do. Do or don't, essentially. But they sort of... They go to do because they have a big scene where it's like, explain to us how you are alive. And he, he's, he doesn't. <laughs> he talks about some other stuff. And then after that, he has a couple of scenes driving and all that. And it's great to see him, but it's not... 
It's not built up as this big pivotal moment. I will say though, his reuniting with the crew was quite a surprisingly emotional moment and I was glad that they did that. But I remember thinking in this movie, where is Han? What is happening to Han? Why aren't we seeing Han? Very much how Homer thought people would react if Poochie wasn't on screen in the Itchy and Scratchy show. Where's Poochie? Where's Han, essentially? As I said, because they're either setting things up for other films or they're making some overarching plots or they're trying to do so many different things at once, there's so much going on in so many different directions, it's hard to follow. And as a result, the overall reason for why the film's happening does suffer. It's great to see the Tokyo Drift crew. It's great to see Helen Mirren drive a car. But a lot of this stuff is sort of, okay, why are we here? Now we're there. Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster will do a scene in Tokyo and then disappear. And in that time, Vin Diesel will have jumped from London to Edinburgh back to America. And then you'll get back to Tokyo and they're still having dinner. The timelines and the things that are happening don't match up, which left me a bit not perplexed, but in some cases bored. And also just just needing to know what's the end game, what's the ultimate goal. Unfortunately, the end game and the ultimate goal is extremely similar to the last three movies. Six, seven, and eight, I think. And even to an extent, Hobbs and Shaw. All of those movies had a bad guy that wanted to get a specific tech that, when acquired, would do a thing to technology that would make them kill everybody or be the kings of the world. Word for word, we got to get these components, put them together, we got to do it. And we got to stop them from putting those components together before the end of the world comes. At this point now, we're doing the same thing over and over again. I know it's hard, but at this point, they've got to come up with a different thing, a different reason, a different motivation for the bad guys. You know, they're building up Charlie's Theron to have this personal vendetta against Toretto. So hopefully in the next films, it'll be just like her coming after them to kill them all. And it won't be a, by the way, I also have to get this thing and this thing and put them together and then I'll have control of every nuclear weapon in the world. I don't know how they can top what the MacGuffin in this film could do because it literally made the person who have it king of the world. So we'll see. I did think though, like there's not that much negative to say about it because at this point, the the movie, the franchise, the formula is pretty much it's 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 reliable and it's safe going into this film you should like your expectations shouldn't be for a masterpiece it should just be fast cars big explosions over the top action and a, a core family and you get all of that and for all the wackiness and the and the the lack of a direction and a point for this film every character does get their moment tyrese gibson Ludacris, han everybody has a specific moment to shine. Even Ramsey, who notoriously has always been delegated to the hacker girl who is either ogled for eye candy or just says the things that needs to happen on the computer to do the thing, she gets her moment where she gets to drive a car and gets to save the day, which is great. Ted and Roman have a very big moment at the end of the film, which I won't spoil for obvious reasons, but it's quite good. And it's nice to have Tyrese Gibson not just being full comic relief, just screaming and shouting and saying how scared he is. He has some seriously brave emotional moments at the end of the film, which was good to see. Annoyingly, watching this film, and if you've seen the trailer, a lot of the big stuff is spoiled. So I will say right now, if you haven't seen a single trailer for this movie, good. 
don't see one because it's one of those movies where you watch it and it's wrapping up and you're going, I've seen all this stuff in the trailers. Oh my God, I hate that stuff. But overall, I would give this movie an 8 out of 10. It does not go any higher than that because of its lack of direction and the the lack of Han and the lack of more John Cena stuff and just the, 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 the all over the place thing moving at a fast pace that gave me the panic attack. But that said, it's still solid, fast and furious fun. You still get all your favorite characters. You still get traveling all over the world, racing different cars of all different shapes and sizes, going up against bad guys, killing them, murdering them, essentially. It is a lot of fun. And there's, 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 there's hope, I think, watching it, that as we come to the end of this franchise, maybe, you never know, there is an end game in sight, especially with bringing in Jacob Toretto and the overarching cipher problem. So we'll see. When I come back to you and review the later films, maybe a different story. But for now, I do recommend it, absolutely. You know what you're getting, you know what you pay for, you know what you're getting when you go into this film. And if you are a fan of the Fast and Furious films, you will absolutely enjoy this. The action sequences are definitely getting very ludicrous, so you may find yourself watching this more, that you go, you might giggle a bit. I giggled a lot. I've giggled the most than I've ever giggled in a Fast and Furious movie before, but I still had fun. I had a big dumb grin on my face for most of it. I was getting what I wanted out of it, which was great. All right, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed. Go see this movie if you've got the chance. As I said, it's not on streaming. It might come out sooner on streaming i think there's like a 45 day wait i don't know how things are working for movies that aren't released simultaneously but if you want to see this and you, if the cinema near you is open check it out i'm sure everybody's doing the right things precaution wise i've been to a few movies now which have had a rather large group of people in them and i've felt safe checking in uh, sanitizing your hands all of that stuff i think it's okay if you feel comfortable doing it Definitely, because that's the only way you're going to see this movie early and in good quality. And I would definitely recommend it for sure. All right. Thank you very much again. I will see you hopefully in the next couple of days. I want to watch the new Pixar film Luca on Disney+, Plus, which has absolutely flown under the radar. I've spoken to a few people about it. No one even knew this movie was even coming, which is strange for a Pixar to have such minimal advertising, which makes me apprehensive about what the film is about. And if it's up to the quality of most Pixar films, and you all know how I feel about Disney, and especially Pixar and their quality, how much I've loved them. So I'm interested to watch it, and I'm keen to let you know how I feel about it. So be sure to check back in sometime over the weekend, and hopefully I will have that review up for you. But until then, stay safe, everyone. I love and appreciate you, as always. Thank you once again for listening. You've been spliced in later. Adios, muchachos. I'll catch you next time.